welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets Welcome back everybody to the Retro Blood as we continue our sleazy slasher month. Up next, move over, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we don't need your shit no more. We got all kinds of chainsaw shit over here because we are talking about the classic, the fan favorite classic pieces brother here on the Retro Blood. You think you know some Chainsaw Massacre stuff? Wait till you see this. We got all kinds of body parts, we got all kinds of tits, we got all kinds of like weird London characters that came out of nowhere. We got my boy King K trying to fuck everybody. We got everything on this show, brother. What's happening, everybody? What's happening, Allison? Jay Allison, James Klein here on the show. What's happening, Allison? How do you feel about this sleazy slasher month so far? I'm pumped up, brother, for this show. Wow, man. All right. So we're still going along. We're still chugging along through these through these foreign slasher movies. So now we're back. In another foreign copy of an American movie, well, co- kind of. It's it's more original than the last movie was. But, uh, you know, honestly, I didn't hate this movie. I liked it. I enjoyed watching it, um, although I was confused in several scenes. Um, but um, it was a little bit offensive because, honestly, I'm a little bit offended by this whole, like, um, you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre anymore thing because if there's two things that Texas does well, there are two things, in my opinion, that Texas is known for above all other things. One is the death match, and two is a chainsaw massacre. That's true. And they are the world champions in both of those things. So That's nobody true. in the world can do those two things better. So saying that this is better than a Texas chainsaw massacre is a really great leap. We're pushing it here uh, with these trailers here, brother. Offensive. Yeah, yeah, kind of offensive. Were we supposed to have a pieces death match? I don't think so. Well, well, I guess it would be a Boston <laughs> death match because all this shit was taking place in Boston, apparently. Yeah, so. this is a Boston, Texas, the Boston Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, this one was a. Uh, so you know, I like it how like you, the fun part about some of these like sleazy slashers is the trailers. We talked about this on our last episode of the Edge of the Axe. Mm-hmm. Like right. some of these trailers are just like, like, you know exactly what this film's gonna be. Look at the title. Like, okay, we get it. Like, does that just, <laughs> you know, we're we're at this particular era where it's all like, okay, like it's it's like we're trying to make these campy uh, horror films of what you know we we don't care about plot. Let's just see the death, brother. You know what I mean? It's kind of like one right, of those yeah. things. Even though I think this uh, piece has actually had like a decent plot to it. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Now we ha- we had a couple of the uh, the slasher tropes in this movie as well. 
You know, we had the tits, we had the blood, we had the horny kids, we had a couple swerves here, we had like cops not being the best at their job. Like we had the whole <laughs> slasher tropes in this film. Um, and I actually, at first I just thought it was just going to be like, just like, okay, like uh, we're here to just make a film just to show gore and bloods and stuff. But I actually thought like some of the acting and some of the uh, the plot line was actually not as bad. I actually, I kind of like this plot line a little better than the edge of the axe, even though they were kind of similar. Oh, they're they're very similar in the way that they're made, but it is better. It's at least more amusing. Yes, like there's there's things in it that entertained me at least. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so just like with every episode here on the Retro Blood Brother, obviously we're gonna be talking about pieces in long form, doing the scene by scene. We might do some production notes on here as well too. But we always like to start off the Retro Blood with some history, brother, of what was happening around pro wrestling and metal during the time and this movie was released so you know this is another uh co-production movie where it's america and uh i believe it's spain spain yeah they co-produced this movie where we had some stuff was filmed in the united states and some stuff was filmed in puerto rico um largely it was around the boston massachusetts area during this time um, but this film was released in America. So it was released in Spain on August 23rd, 1982. But it was released in the United States October 14th, 1983. So that's the major one that me and Allison are going to be talking about because obviously that's when we would have saw it in the 80s. Cruising along in the Trans Am. But a couple of the wrestling stuff. So I found something kind of interesting. I know you found something in wrestling too. But I thought this one was kind of interesting. So apparently there is a untelevised match that took place, um, not exactly on the 14th, but on the 23rd, October 23rd, 1983. And it was a match under the Georgia Championship Wrestling uh, promotion. And it was a match between Tommy Rich and Boy Sawyer, Buzz Sawyer. Mm-hmm. And this place took place in the Omni Coliseum, Coliseum in Atlanta, Georgia. And apparently, it, this was a cage match. And apparently, WWE credits this this cage match has the basis for the Hell in the Cell cage match. So this is where they got the idea, apparently, for the Hell in the Cell was this particular cage match between... Huh. So this match took place in a steel cage. However, mm. unlike traditional steel cages match, this match had a roof on it. So this okay. was like a... A big deal because this was like the how the cage matches we would see, you know, back in the the during this time during the WWF brother, we had that blue solid steel cage, you know, that blue one with the hard handlebars and stuff. Yeah, and even when we had um and some other promotions too, we had cages, but they never had a roof on them. So this right. was actually one of the first matches that they actually put a roof on the cage. So escaping the cage was not an option at this match. You had to have been win by pinfall or submission. Or, so that was going to be a question I was going to ask. Yes. So uh, the, uh, isn't the escaping the cage to win, isn't that a WWF thing? But uh, back then, you, yes. the cage was so that nobody could get into the cage to, to, to help out, right? Yes. It was to make it fair. Like you had to still submit the guy or pin him. Yes, or it can't answer the 10 count. Or Yeah, right, right. 
So apparently some of the matches, oh, the answer to your question, yes, that was an F thing about escaping. Mm-hmm. Nobody really else did the uh, escape the cage except for them. So Sawyer's manager, Paul Ellering, would be locked inside of his own separate cage. The stipulation in the match started, stated that Ole Anderson would immediately follow the match uh, face Ellering if Rich Rich were to win. So if uh, if uh, uh, Tommy Rich won the match, I guess a Ole Anderson would get his hands on Ellering during this particular time period. So okay. Rich so Rich pinned Sawyer at the 12.06 mark. So the match went about 12 minutes. After the match, Ellering came into the ring in order to check on Sawyer. However, Anderson immediately came out for their match. So for many years, the footage of this match was considered to be the Holy Grail and was believed to not exist. In 2012, the WWE stated that only a few pictures exist from the event. Although it was believed to have not been filmed, the video wound up in the World Championship Wrestling WCW library. However, mm. it remains on its original reel and was kept unlabeled. WCW assets were purchased by the WWE Federa- World Wrestling Federation in 2001, and the, f- the, the footage entered the WF library unmarked. In September 2016, however, the match was uploaded to the WWE Network, with the remains wow. of the event added in October 2018. So, huh. so pretty much what happened was, I guess they did film it, but they just never labeled it, so they didn't know that they had to film it. Probably just got lost until they bought the library and they were going through all the tapes, and they noticed like, oh shit, we have this match. Yeah. Sorry. Well, they probably didn't even look at it because most of that stuff would have been on videotape, and it would have been easier for them to look at. But with film, I'm sure that in 2001, the WWF did not have a film projector. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So they're like, well, this is shot on film. This is probably just old shit. Let's just not, let's just put it in the closet. And, you know, and then when they finally got around to looking at it, they were, you know, because a lot of things are that way, right? Like a lot yeah. of movies get lost because they're left at the, the, uh, film processing place and then it's never paid for. And then the guys throw it out eventually. And, and then, or they find tape or they find, you know, film or tapes of things in a box that they never thought to look for through before. So that's kind of cool though. That's really cool that we can now watch this. Yes. So I'll see if I can find it on the YouTube or something, see if they had this match Mm -hmm. and I'll place it for everybody. So it's really cool to see like this, this match was the uh, predecessor to one of the biggest matches that WWF does nowadays, the hell in the cell, Mm -hmm. just because of putting the roof on top of the cage. You know, obviously, you know, before hell in the cell, the only match I could think that had the roof on it was going to be the war games match. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think WCW did a couple cage matches with the, with the roof on it as well. Um, I, the most one I could think of is Diamond Dallas Page versus Raven when they had the little cage match. I think that one had a roof on it as well, too. But mm-hmm. definitely a, a, a cool little side match that happened around this time. So we it'd be like going to go see history around if we were around, around the Omni around this particular time. So definitely pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That would have been great to see. We would have been seeing some cage matches. Then we get to go see Pieces, brother. That would have been something. That would have been great. So what do you got for us when it comes to uh, metal? I mean, metal or like any kind of wrestling? Um, I only have one little uh, um, wrestling thing, which I seem to have lost. Hold on. Oh, yes. Here we are. So there is one wrestling thing. So, that, I mean, you know, we've talked about this a million times. And this is a show we haven't talked about, but it will kind of sound like a show we have because there was a little circuit that they always did. But Jim Crockett Promotions was in Greensboro on the 16th, which was the day after this movie came out. 
to an attendance of 5,000 people, which is not very much compared to what that place could hold. Um, but um, it, it had um, it was it had some very basic matches on it. Um, but the main events were pretty cool. Um, basically, the two main events were uh, Charlie Brown, who was Jimmy Valiant. He pinned Baron Von Raschke in a steel cage match, um, which you don't see. I haven't seen a lot of Raschke, so that would that would have been kind of cool for me to see because he was usually in another territory. And then for the main event that night, you had Ric Flair and Bob Orton Jr. in a steel cage. You had a double steel cage main event, and that Orton Jr. Uh, Ric Flair match, I'm sure, would have been fantastic. Yes, definitely. Sounds like two solid matches there we would have been seeing. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you so, got? What do you, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so yeah, so uh, that would have been probably what we would go see. And you want to know what we would be listening to? Yeah, what kind of what kind of metal brother are we going to be rocking out to? All right, so this is a little bit tough. So there wasn't a lot of good releases that, and, and around this time. Um, but are you familiar? Do you know who Yngwie Malmsteen is? No, I don't think I've heard of them before. Okay, so he's he's an 80s guitar player. He's like one of those guitar gods. He's like one of those people that's too good at guitar. You know what I mean? Like Steve Vai yeah. is an example. So he's like, he's then, um, so Yngwie Malmsteen got his start in this band called Alcatraz. And okay. Alcatraz released an album called No Parole from Rock and Roll um, that, uh, that week. So it came out on... Um, on the 15th. So he actually came out the same day of this movie. So we might have picked up the Alcatraz No Parole from Rock and Roll because that sounds like a really cool album, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's not, it's, it's actually not, not good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> Alcatraz exactly. sounds kind of like, kind of like Journey a little bit. Like it's not what I expected at all. Yeah. I'd never heard this album before. I mean, I've heard, I've heard um, of that band Alcatraz before, but you think that'd mm-hmm. be like more like a metal because they're obviously they're talking yeah, about the prison. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it's 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 like all keyboardy and and uh, I mean you have you have Yngwie playing his guitar solos. So Alcatraz actually is a good band. Their their second album. So Yngwie left the band right after this album and he went solo. Um, and his solo albums are really good for I mean if you like that kind of thing. Um, but the um, they made their second album, which came out two years later, nineteen eighty five, um, had Steve Vai playing guitar on it, and it's phenomenal. Like it's heavier and it's got the Steve Vai doing the Steve Vai thing all over it, um, so it's it's that's a really good album. This album, not so much, but we'd probably be playing it because nothing else came out this week. So this would be our new cassette tape that we bought, you know. And we're like, wow, maybe we should have saved our money for yeah. something different. But you know, it's not it's not bad. Um, yeah, it's something to cruise along, you know. Yeah, something like you know, we we too. saw the commercial for this pieces. You know what I mean? It looks like there might be some. Uh, they they told me it's better than Texas Chainsaw apparently, um, so you know you know maybe I add some Alcatraz and see. They told me this album was gonna be great too. We might be lied to on both of them, but that's okay. You know what I mean? Uh, they, yeah, they 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 have they, his own they, stuff. Yeah, they do have this song that's on this album. Um, actually, is it on the album? Yes, it's called "Too Young to Die, wow. Too Drunk to Live." Oh, okay. Yes. So you got that. You got that classic. That actually fit perfect um, with this movie. It would, yeah, and it's followed up by uh, Bigfoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just love these album titles. The first one is "Island in the Sun," which is like one of their one of their hits, quote unquote. Um, and then the second song is called "General Hospital." 
Are you guys ready to rock to the general hospital? <laughs> hospital? We'll let you this in. Is, it's, <laughs> this is fantastic. But apparently Alcatraz was huge in Japan. They were like a very, very popular hair, hair type band in, in Japan. And uh, they did go on to make, like I said, their next album is pretty good, um, which is called, uh, I can't remember what it's called. Let me think. What is this album called? Disturbing the Peace. So Disturbing the Peace is a really good album. Well, really good. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good album. It's listenable. This one I, would, I was totally bored with. I expected to like this a lot better. Um, but yeah, that's probably what we'd be listening to. Hmm. This um, is something. Or, you know. Move over, Iron, move over those my Iron Maiden cassette oh, tapes. We're gonna we're you, going to fucking Alcatraz, brother. No, we're gonna eject this and put in peace of mind and listen to that again. <laughs> uh, good stuff, good stuff. Well, we got a couple of cool things around the history segment, so definitely kind of a couple couple of fun things going on. You know, it's kind of like one of those things where you think they're gonna be awesome, but they're like, ah, oh, there was okay. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the production of pieces. So there's a couple of uh, fun stuff in here. So apparently the the short script was written by an American explore, uh, exploration <laughs> explore hold on, hold on the script was written by a um a filmmaker named Dick Randall mm-hmm. and Italian producers Robert Loyal uh credit has John Shadow all right so apparently this guy named Joe Diamanto was not involved in this production it yes, was given so to, that's a rumor. Yeah, that's a rumor. And it was given to director Guan Simon by Randall and Steve, uh, with whom he had worked on previous films. Although the film was set in the United States, specifically in Boston, it was mainly shot around uh, Venice, uh, Spain. It was mostly shot around Spain. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. So, some of the funny stuff on here. So, apparently, according to the Simon... In pieces, um, the he says a lot of the female stars didn't know how to play tennis, even though yeah. they're all supposed <laughs> to be portraying professional tennis players. <laughs> so a, a tennis coach had to be hired so they can learn uh, how to uh, to do the ball in a very convincing, you know, play tennis in a very convincing way. Yeah, in order we'll to make the film this. believable. Yes. Why is there so much tennis in this movie? Well, you know. Boston has a big tennis scene, I guess. <laughs> so he also believed in it. He also revealed in the interview that he was very proud of the visual effects in this film. Yeah. I'd say they weren't too bad. Like, no, all the chorus scene. Yeah, they, they did a pretty good job. He said he especially liked the pig carcass scene that was used in the effect of the chainsaw cutting through the young woman's stomach and the mm, slaughterhouse guts cool. used. So, so apparently. The film starred real-life husband and wife team Christopher George of TV's The Rat Patrol and Linda Day George of TV's Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, she was in Mission Impossible, the TV show. I've never watched Rat Patrol, though. Sounds cool. Yeah, sounds pretty good. So apparently this film was released in Spain, obviously we talked about it, August 23rd, 1982, and it opened up in the United States the following year in Los Angeles, I guess only in October fourteenth, nineteen eighty-three. So, and obviously, this the film has gone to this. This is actually one of the films where it's kind of like, you know, at the time we're making a movie, you know, trying to make something different, but had the same kind of like mm-hmm. slasher trope. But it's like one of those movies where over time it gained a lot more fame than it did, than it did during that particular time where it was made. So for sure, 
So this is now like part of like this is often I guess used at the Grindhouse film festivals. Yeah, I mean it was it's a popular or it's a famous Grindhouse movie, right? That people don't believe exists. Yes. But uh, that's one of my problems with it in general. It's it's like um, it's the ironic movie, right? It's like the, what's that other movie that's ironic that's so terrible that's supposed to be the worst movie ever made that everybody loves? I've never seen it. I think it's called The Room. Oh yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah. I know you're yeah, I've right. never seen that. But it's like it's the movie that that hipsters ironically watch all the time. Which you know, I hate that shit. But this is like the ironic grindhouse movie. It's like the it's it's so bad it's good. Which I would say this movie is not good, but it's not terrible. It's just it has some questionable dialogue and it which doesn't I don't understand. Yeah. But um the guy that directed this movie though actually made some movies that were really good. He made Journey to the Center of the Earth in the 70s. He made this uh super Spanish superhero movie called Supersonic Man that was really good. He would also go on to make The Pod People the next year with the same writer Dick Randall wrote that too, which is also a good movie. And 2 years later, I believe it was, they made Slugs the movie, which is fantastic. We'll end up watching Slugs the movie for the show at some point. Yes. But um he has made some really really good movies. Uh this is not one of them, but it's not terrible either. <laughs> I kind of like so I low key kind of like this movie. I thought it had a lot of stuff that I like when I want to watch some of my <laughs> 80s not super big thinking about movies. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, could definitely this- <laughs> So this is also one of those movies too where I could see, and they talk about this a little bit too, where the VHS helped this movie a lot, a lot out a lot. I'm sure it did. I'm because sure it did. it's mostly, no, nobody's really going to go to the theaters to go see pieces, but we're definitely going to tape trade this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I do like the uh, the other title it had. The Night Has a Thousand Screams. Doesn't That's really, doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't roll off the tongue, but it is a better title than Pieces, although not as apropos, I would say, as Pieces is. Yes. But uh, let's get into it, though. I have a lot to say about this movie, but let's get into Pieces, everybody. Warning. What you will see in the movie Pieces cannot be revealed, cannot be described, cannot even be imagined. And you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. Pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Pieces. Absolutely no one under 17 will be admitted. All right, so we're in Boston. Mm. Boston, Massachusetts, brother. Great wrestling town. Tennis capital of the world. Tennis capital of the world, apparently. (laughs) Every tennis person known to man comes here. So it's 1942. All right. We have a kid, and he's singing like the Humpty Dumpty song. All right, you know, putting the Humpty Dumpty back together. We got he has to say pieces yeah. in that song too, you know. Mm-hmm. So the the kid's mom walks in, all happy and stuff. She's like, "Oh, what are you working on?" And then she sees it's a puzzle of a naked girl, and the fucking mom starts freaking out. That fucking filth! What the hell are you doing? You filth! It's like your father. He had a dirty mind too. And she's like, like you know, throwing the shit around, throwing the pieces things, uh, the, the puzzle around and everything. And she's like. If you keep doing all this, bringing out this stuff, you're going to grow up with your father. And boy, I got stories to tell you about him. And this is like, if you do this again, I'm going to kill you. And then she goes, like, and she wow. go, she's like, Look extreme. she's like, yeah, I know. I was like, damn, okay. And she's like, go downstairs and grab a plastic bag. I'm going to put all this shit in here and burn it. What are you doing? Go down there and grab a plastic bag. And then she goes through all this stuff and everything. She's like, I wonder how much filth he has around his room. 
And then next thing you know, boom, he has an axe and he's fucking just axing up his mom. Like, okay, well, we're fucking, we're getting right into this one, aren't we? Started off hot. And then we have a, a lady. She's like ringing the doorbell. Um, we find out that the uh, uh, the kid is named Timothy. All right. Mm-hmm. She's like calling everything. Eventually, hears the police. So Timmy Timmy goes into the closet. The police break the door down. No warrant. Fuck it. Uh, they go in there to see all this. And this is like, boy, this is some bad acting. Okay. They break the door down. The cops like. A fucking butcher room in here. <laughs> huh? I never yeah. seen something as crazy in my life. And then and then the old lady, oh, uh, this is where uh, uh, Mrs. Uh, so, so and so was. I didn't catch, catch the name. Uh, mm-hmm. Timmy's mom. She's like, mom. oh, uh, what's going on here? Then they, they look around, they see the, they find like, oh, Timmy. Timmy's okay. Then they find the mom's dead head there. Oh my God. So. Then we get the uh, the credits, and then the credits mm-hmm. are for the pieces. Basically, how's like a knife, and then all the credits go through. Well, yeah, Timmy's hiding in the closet. We yes. didn't mention that. And then it, it, apparently, too, you know, when they get Timmy out of the out of the closet and stuff, uh, the the aunt or the, whoever this lady was that knew <laughs> Timmy's mom says like, oh. The father is not here. He's 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 in the away in the air force. Um, I'll drop Timmy off to the aunt. And that's when we get the intro. So, mm-hmm. okay. So we're establishing that they... So this is kind of a weird part, too. So we're establishing that the cops and everything just think that somebody randomly killed Timmy's mom and that Timmy was just a, 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 a bystander victim. Well, based right, on which I base. guess is reasonable. Yes. Yeah. So now it's 40 years later. Yes. Boy, what a time jump. 40 years later. We Have you noticed we get this a lot in movies of this era? Yes. Like, especially slasher movies. Like, we just got a huge time jump in the last movie. Yes. And then this one, it's like, this thing's happening. It's 40 years later. And then in the beyond, we went from 1927 to 1984. So, another 60 years or whatever. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, there's a lot of huge time jumps in 80s horror movies. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, nothing else happens in 40 years. When you're right. a crazy well, psychopath until you got to be in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. That's how you develop your craft. Yeah. So we have a box in a drawer. And apparently it's all of Timmy's mom's older stuff. And they're going through it. And we're doing very slow scenes and stuff of, of the person getting out all the all the stuff. Then we see this. This is random too. We see a girl. She's like random, yeah. randomly skating outside. Her name is Jenny. Mm-hmm. And we see these two guys about to... They're like some mirror company. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And I, Jenny is saying hi to everybody. And then she eventually runs into the mirror. Then we see the moms in the mirror, too. So I didn't really know... Was Jenny supposed to be yeah. like the aunt or something? I didn't really know where this was going. Surely not. But I was confused by this, too. So did, did, does Jenny die when she runs through the mirror? I guess, because he brought out another box. And why would you not jump off the skateboard before you ran through a mirror? Or she wasn't on a skateboard. She was on rollerblades. Oh, well, she was on something that, I, I I don't know. You would think that you could stop maybe somehow. No. Before you got the Too much momentum, brother. You got to run right into okay. that thing. All right. All right. Well, anyway. So, and now he's putting together. So, we'll see a lot of this of where Timmy is now putting his naked girl puzzle together. Or somebody is. Yes. So we have this girl. Well, we don't. We also also before we move on. 
So this has nothing to do with the movie, right? This girl running into the mirror is not part of the plot, correct? No, it's just there. That's what I thought. It's just it's in the movie for some something. random reason. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so weird. Because I, I, I don't didn't get see, that either. I don't see how how the killer was involved with this at all. <laughs> right. I mean, maybe somebody that loves this movie, and I'm sure they're out there because a lot of people, like I said, ironically, like watch this movie. But um, maybe somebody will correct us. But I have no idea what this has to do with the rest of this movie. Right? I mean, I just thought Let's it was like. Maybe it's his aunt or something. I have no idea. But it's like forty yeah. years later, so the aunt's probably it's forty dead years or later. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way she can look that young forty years later. So we have this girl outside studying. Right, <laughs> this guy just comes up with a chainsaw, and she's all like, "Hey, can you keep it down? I'm like studying over here." He's like, "Oh, just a few minutes, ma'am. It'll be just a couple minutes, ma'am. Just a couple minutes." And she fucking then he just cuts off her head. Right. Yeah. So it's so weird, and to hear the care the the killer speak in a normal voice like he's just like just a couple minutes and i'll be done yeah like i don't know that's i think this whole thing is done very strange but yeah yes so after this happens we see the lieutenant bracken mm-hmm. we have lieutenant braun bracken mm-hmm. you didn't get that one did you i know i got it yes okay. Braun bracken Braun breaker yeah i got it <laughs> and then we have sergeant uh holden yeah, Bracken okay. and Holden. Bracken and Holden. <laughs> so, so they are talking to the uh, the the school secretary, and they want to see the dean because they want to know some information about the girl who just got chopped up and shit. And she's like, "Oh, the dean will see you soon." He, and he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. We in our line of work, they always take long." So eventually, the dean, uh, the, the dean will they'll they'll see the cops. So. So we see like these kids in the hallway smoking weed. So the whole yeah. thing of this was they're smoking weed. They're talking about water beds, and then yes. one of the girls, one of the girls, um, uh, her name was like uh, Kendall or something like that, and she was like, "The most beautiful thing is smoking weed and fucking on a, water, on a bed. water bed." And then, like, what a random ass thing to say. I guess uh, that's a 1980s thing. It's not yeah. water beds or I don't know. Yeah, you smoke weed on a water bed. It's magical. Yeah, that's like that's like a that's like a 1980s thing for me. Is like water beds. Yes, <laughs> very. Uh, by the way, we it is a hint for that one later on too. Mm-hmm. So then they see Professor Brown, Arthur Brown, and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go tease him." So she goes and teases Arthur Brown. She's like, hey, where is the uh, pectoral section of my body at? People say it looks funny on me. And Brown's like, oh, trust me, it looks fine. Don't worry about it. She's like, oh, well, can you point out to me where is it? He's like, and he just goes like, it's your chest over here and stuff. And they all start laughing. And he just right. goes away. So Good. Arthur is like a very, we're establishing that he is kind of like a loner kind of guy. Yeah, and he he's the professor of anatomy. Yes. Hint, hint. Yeah, hint. Come on out. Red herring. <laughs> Red herring. Maybe. Or maybe he's the killer. We don't know yet. Yes. So this is... Uh, so uh, Professor goes... The Professor Brown goes to talk to the secretary. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, hey, you know, I was trying to meet the dean over here. She's like, oh, okay, the dean's been busy with all these cops. And, like, I just got some inside information. And Brian's like, okay, well, I guess you're going to tell me. She's like, yes. They're saying that might be an inside job of how this girl Ooh. got killed. Oh, okay. And she's like, you know, then the, then the uh, the dean calls. Is like, hey, is Arthur around? He's like, yes, he's he's here me right now. I was like, okay, well, the, the cops want to see him, and I want to see him too. So Arthur goes in there. He talks to uh, the, the the dean, 
and he talks to the cops, both the, both the cops about the girl. She's like they're saying that the girl who died was in was in his class, and they want to know like if he knows any information about her. And if he's also Dean is also saying like, hey, can you know I'm kind of busy. Can you show these cops around and answer all the questions that they had? The dean's like, yeah, I'm busy too, man. I got all these reports and stuff. And, and the, the author says, hey, I'm busy. I got all these reports and stuff. And Dean's like, oh, you're not as busy as me. I, I could do all these wings. You only, you only have one. So go take them out. So this is when they try to like, you know, the cops are trying to like profile different people and stuff. She's like, oh, did you know more about this girl and how she was and everything? She's like, it's like, I didn't really know too much about her at all. She just came to my class and stuff and like, I didn't know anything about her personal life or nothing like that. So some of these cops, you know, they the cops think it's the inside job, so they're trying to talk to like different staff, and mm-hmm. they they thought that okay, well, obviously she was uh, she was chopped up and her head was missing because they said that as well too. You know, who better to know than the professor to, of anatomy, obviously. So um, so <laughs> this is a weird scene. <laughs> so they're in the professor's like classroom, and they noticed there was like dead human skull right there. And the professor's like, well, yeah, I mean, I, this is a skull of a 16-year-old girl. A 16-year-old a girl. A, a student gave it to me. Oh, can we talk like, to the student? And he's like, can we talk to the student? He's like, no, the student gave it to me in the 60s. He's All not right, hold the anymore. phone. Hold, hold the yeah. phone. Yes. yes. So, like, <laughs> there's no, like, wh- how? Wh- I don't even understand this. So, uh, <laughs> I'm at a loss for so this a student yes. gave this professor a human skull yes a dead girl as human a present skull, as a present. a 16 year old girl and yes. he knows that it's she's 16 years old specifically yes. Yes. like that, even in the 60s that seems like that would be a red flag well you know they would just had it in his closet so it was, he wasn't doing anything with it <laughs> that's okay it's okay it happened in the 60s fuck it <laughs> don't worry all about right it. let's, continue, and then, let's continue and then the cops on. like the cops like well. Let me go read my report. <laughs> gotcha. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Bracken. Thanks, Bracken. So, <laughs> so the dean meets with Willard. Willard. Yes. Willard. We have to talk about, we have to talk about Willard. Not Willow. Willard. Willard. <laughs> Willard. So Willard is the groundskeeper who has a chainsaw. Who, and, and he trims and, edges with a chainsaw, apparently. And the dean goes up to him and is like, uh, you know, how long do you have over here? When are you going to be leaving? You know, because the sooner you leave, the sooner you can get more jobs. Yeah. And um, he's like, you know, I'll, I'll leave when I finish my contract and everything. And, of course, this Willard is all, like, suspicious. Yeah, They're like, course. oh, okay, well, he has a chainsaw and he looks suspicious. He might be the killer. And of course he, and then of course he looks over, and he sees the, these two couples making out, and then mm-hmm. we get more scenes of uh, the puzzle being made. Yeah. So before we move on, so Willard is played by Paul Smith, who is low key um, a, a an actor that I like a lot. He's been in a lot of small roles. He was he played Raban in Dune, and he played Bluto in the Popeye movie. Um, he's been in a lot of like really small B movies. But I really like this guy. I think his facial expressions are great. Yeah. Um, when I saw him in this movie, I was like, oh, hell yeah, Paul Smith is in this movie. So, yeah. Anyway, I get the small, I get a Paul Smith. Yeah. Him, so. he, he was good, but his character was just kind of weird. But I guess it was just yeah, supposed to be. His character was like just to stand around, be, be a big guy, and make weird faces. Yes. 
So we are at the library now. All right. This girl, Susan, gives our our main character, one of our main characters, Kincaid, a note saying, "Hey, I never done it under the water. That's what we're doing." All right. So Kincaid reads it, is all happy, and then he throws the note in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have somebody with a black glove. Could be the killer. Could be somebody. Grab the note and walks off. Mm-hmm. So. Susan is now with her friend and they're talking about Arthur and some sort of brown sugar shit. Okay. So now, Su- okay, here we go. We got some jazz music playing, brother. Yep. We got Susan. Goes by the pool. She's like, all right, I never done it underwater. I'm ready for this Kincaid to come rock my world. I hear a little noise, but I don't really care. I'm, I, I think I'm by myself, but I'm not sure. But I'm going to take off my clothes slowly anyway. So she takes Absolutely. off. She takes off the cl- clothes oh so slowly. She hears a noise, asks for Kincaid, nothing there. We have, of course, the killer stalking. She eventually goes into the pool topless, swims around a little bit, and then we see the killer, who the killer is dressed like Dark Man. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that, but he is he looks like Dark Man. <laughs> Fucking trench coat. What is with these slashers and like in the trench coats and hats? Well, it's because they can conceal the killer. Yes. It's an easy way to conceal the killer. But yeah, he looks like in both movies they're wearing like a like a long raincoat and a hat. So like um black gloves. One it of could the, be the same killer. One of the short horror movies I did back in the day, like this one's like yeah. super short. We didn't really have like a killer costume. <laughs> so what we did was we had my friend uh, Matt Bloodbeard, shout out to the Bloodbeard. He we, we he was wearing like his tour like perfect circle shirt and his pants. So all we mm. did was we gave him like a top hat and a scarf to wrap over his face and some gloves and a knife and that's what his killer outfit was. <laughs> hey man, you gotta do, make gotta make do with what you got, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. All you need yeah. is a top hat and a scarf, brother. You're good to go. So he so this killer so apparently there's a fishnet by an indoor pool. Okay. Uh, so I was confused by this too. I'm yes. assuming this is something that you get trash out of the pool with, but yeah, I don't, I don't know what what this net would. But be. it was an indoor pool. Like it's not like you get like, do, like leaves and shit. So the, the I killer, know. I know <laughs> the killer grabs Susan by the fish net, which I don't know Around how this is head. possible either. But I guess it is. <laughs> so, so he grabs her perfectly by the fish net, and grabs her ass up there, <clears throat> and mm-hmm. he. So he like puts he grabs her up there and everything, put lays her body in, like near like the edge of the pool. So yeah, and so I go- thought this part looked really good though. Yeah, like where looked, he's dragging yes. her out of the pool. Yeah, that looked really yeah, good. Yeah, it all looked great. Like the the scene they, they did a really good job when it comes to scene, but so he goes and he grabs like the chainsaw, right? And he walks very slowly yeah. to her. And she apparently can't move, even though she can literally just like fall into the water and escape. <laughs> but she doesn't. She just stays there and she gets chopped up. So there goes yeah. Susan. She is now chopped up. Mm-hmm. So this is a weird... So I didn't really get this guy's name, but it was some nerd kid. He goes mm-hmm. to the girl, Francis, and he's like, hey, have you seen Kincaid anywhere? She's like, no. And then she, he's like, okay, well, what are you doing later? And she's like, just gives him a weird look. She's like, well, fuck, you know, I'm a nerd and shit. I should get some booty <laughs> or something like that. He just mumbles a lot. Yeah. So he goes up to Kincaid and gives Kincaid a note. Mm-hmm. And they were talking. So apparently, like, there was like a note. So apparently, so King K was supposed to meet Susan in the pool to, to have some water sex, but he never showed up. 
Yes. But this note was supposed to be for him not to show up. Mm. But mm. he didn't show up originally because he was banging somebody else. Right. So let's stop for a second. Um, so yeah. now this does lead up to my favorite part of this entire movie. But, um, <laughs> but so, mm-hmm. so, okay. So now we have this weird convoluted plot, right? Yes. So we have a note that was given to Kendall. Kendall's his name, right? Uh, the guy, right? Well, no, the nerd, the nerd got the note. But yes, it, the nerd gives uh, Kendall the note. Wait, Kendall was, wait, the nerd, the, wait, the note was given to Kendall originally, the one that he threw it away, right? No, 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 no. That was, that was the first note was underwater sex stuff. But then yeah. there was a note that was given out to the dean's office, and the dean didn't want to take that note, so he gave the, the note to the nerd guy who was supposed to give the note to Kendall. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's clear. Let's move so on. The, so the note was supposed to be for Kendall not to come to the fucking water area. Right. And, and that but, came but from he the didn't dean, go right? there anywhere because he was banging somebody else, but he went there anyway. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yes. So the whole point of this scene is to make people think the dean might be the killer, right? No. Because he told no. No, okay. because Kendall gets to the fucking water park and he sees Willard. Over there with the fucking chainsaw. And he's like, okay, I see Willard. There's a chainsaw. There's a dead bitch. Susan, I was about to fuck, but I didn't. And he like freaks out. He goes inside. Then, then all the cops come in. They start fighting Willard. And Willard just beats all their asses. Because he's like, oh, fuck. Well, I, best, I basically look like the fucking killer. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Because he's a superhero. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, the cop, <laughs> Bracken's like, don't move or I'll blow your brains out. Okay. And then, okay. this is when we get... They're like, okay, well, the uh, uh, Arthur shows up, and and Bracken's like, hey, I don't want to wait to the uh, coroner's report. Can you tell me if this chainsaw killed this girl? Hold on, hold on. Yes, <laughs> let me do this one. Okay, go ahead. You usually get to deliver the lines. Let me do this one. This is my absolute favorite part of this entire. Movie. Really, okay, go ahead. And I had to watch it twice to make sure he actually said this. <clears throat> So he says, so, okay, so let's set the scene. So they're sitting around this pool, right? Yeah. And this bitch is cut into pieces, as the, as the name of the movie implies. There's a chainsaw sitting there with blood all over it. There's blood fucking everywhere. Yes. <clears throat> the detective says this. I'm no pathologist, but I think this committed, this, this uh, oh, what does it say? He says, I think I'm, I'm no pathologist, but I think this is your murder weapon right here. Yes. Like, really? So I'm glad you're on the case. Yes, I'm glad you're there. Well, and then the author also says, like, you know, it's pretty obvious that this <laughs> fucking chainsaw killed this person. It's like, oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for Holy your expertise. Shit. Like, wow. This, this script is fantastic. <laughs> oh, also, too, there also is a scene, you know, you know, Brown touches the chainsaw, and the guy's like, oh, you could have destroyed some evidence here. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't touch that. Yes. Um, let's see. So the cops also said, like, okay, well, we got to go see, uh, we got to see these two boys. We also got to go see the Dean too. So Arthur, you're, uh, you're excused. So we had this cop shows up. He talks to Kincaid and the nerd and he tells mm-hmm. him like, you know, like, Hey, you two need to go see the Dean right away. Don't tell anybody about this. Go up to the Dean's room right away. So this is when. You know, Kincaid's like saying, like, hey, you know, that note, it was given to me and shit and stuff, but like, they're telling me not to go in there, even though I went there anyway. 
but like the reason I didn't show up when I was there with her because I was banging this other girl. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, so basically, this is when we get the scene where I kind of already talked about it, where we have like the dean, we have the the secretary, we have the two kids in there, we have the cop, and they're all talking about this note being passed on. You know, the dean <laughs> didn't want to take the note because he ain't no mailbox. So right. he gave it to the secretary. The secretary gave it to the nerd guy. The nerd guy gave it to Kincaid. And there's this whole convoluted shit. And then um, <laughs> Kincaid basically was saying, like, you know, the reason I didn't go to to see her is because, you know, the reason I went to go see her and the note said not to because I thought it was suspicious. And that's why I went in there. All right. Um, and she's like, you know, I just want to, like, you know, help to see what's going on that I can. Um... And then, of course, the nerd guy didn't know nothing about it. Uh, so then also, too, so then the, the cop says, like, hey, Kincaid, you know, uh, call me when you're feeling a little better. I do have this person who wants to talk to you. Okay. So so we have some girls doing aerobics. Another 80s trait there, brother. No, doing right, some another aerobics. 80s thing. And they're doing it to some sort of, like, weird 80s song, too. Mm-hmm. Kiddo looks on everything. The girl has to go to the John. All right, and apparently the John is all the way like downstairs in some basement, some creepy basement. Right. So the killer follows her down the whole basement. Eventually, the girl, the aerobics girl, gets scared by another girl, and they just go back in. So we get a little false scare there. So now uh, Bracken wants Kincaid to talk to a shrink. And Kincaid's like, and of course the uh, Kincaid keeps calling the the, the doctor. The, the shrink, a doc. And of course, the shrink's like, I'm not a real doctor. I don't study medicine. So this is basically what this physician or this this guy is supposed to do is he's going to profile uh, stuff based on what Kincaid says about the killer. So see that they can get a better understanding of the killer. All right. So, yes. So that's the big thing they want to do right now. So this is also to... So during all this too, so Bracken also wants to, he has an idea because things are getting kind of weird around this particular Boston University. He has an idea, okay, I'm going to get two uh, female cops to do undercover work here. Okay, What a great plan. So when he goes to talk to one cop and her name is Mary, Mary Riggs. Mm -hmm. And apparently Mary Riggs uh, daytime cop, nighttime tennis player. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So she was a former like pro tennis player or something, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's saying the uh, Bracken is saying like, "Hey, um, I need you on this case." And she's like, "Okay, of course I'll do it because I don't want to be stuck around this desk all the time. I want to do all this field work." He's like, "Okay, well, you know, in the plot, I said I needed two females, but what happened was we don't have a budget for two females, so I kind of need you just to be the only one." Right. That is. That is like basically what happened. That's basically yeah, telling we us. never get a second female, right? No, we only get the Even one. Even though he says he needs two. Yes, he says he needs two, but he only has budget for one. Gotcha. Yeah, right. So maybe, I don't know if he was talking about the movie budget or the police budget or everything. <laughs> so, And of course, King Cade's there. It's like, oh, oh, oh uh, you're fucking, uh, you're fucking Mary. You're like that big, I watch you all the time playing tennis. You're, you're a famous tennis player. Yes. Uh, so, what are you doing later? So... <clears throat> So, excuse me. So, four. So, we're going to pick somebody to be undercover. Yes. But we're going to pick somebody that's famous. Yes. <laughs> that that the first person she meets recognizes who she is. Yes. 
but well, she's undercover in the in the uh, okay. Well, All we right, we need we need so Bracken has a uh, he likes this guy Kincaid. He thinks Kincaid yeah. is like a helpful guy. So uh, right off the bat, he's a good kid and shit. So and you know because Mary does question now. It's like okay, well, you know why is this you know why is this person knowing who I am and everything? He's just like okay, nobody's gonna know who you are and stuff. So we're gonna keep you under wraps, but you don't worry about this Kincaid. He's a good guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, you'll love it. You'll love being out there. You get to play tennis all day. And then we have some Boston Global News reporter shows up. She wants to talk to Bracken about what's been going on at this Boston University stuff. And then he's like, oh, you know, obviously, you know, it's a cop. There's a murder going on. What do we do? Well, we've got to cover that shit up. Absolutely. Right? So this is the second movie where a cop's trying to cover shit up. He's saying mm-hmm. there's nothing going on here. Rumors are rumors and shit. If you want to talk to anybody, go talk to Mary over there. So we have Rick. She is now playing tennis. All right. And apparently, apparently she beats this girl's ass at tennis because it was 40 to 15. All right. So uh, the Dean comes. Dean, His name is Dean Foley, by the way. Dean Foley comes over here and congratulates uh, Mary. Says we got some tea and crumpets. Up in there in the uh, uh, the faculty lounge, um, and then this is when they get interrupted by the, the the reporter. The reporter is trying to ask Dean what's going on over here with the murders and stuff. The dean is now trying to hide everything, saying everything's fine. I don't got time to talk. I'm too busy. <laughs> All right, we're now we're back at the room, and we see those the mom's boxes again, and then we have more pieces being put onto the puzzle. All right, we should do it like a like a drink every time like the pieces are being put on the puzzle. Right? Oh, there's, there's a lot of them. The time the movie's over, we'd be fucking yeah. good to go. All right, so we have that same aerobics dancer that wanted to go to the John. She is dancing alone. Kiddo's walking around all around the room. Girl noticing something's going on. She puts on her clothes really quickly. Turns out the lights. Dark man follows her, aka the killer. She runs down to where the John area was. Uh, she she goes to the elevator and she gets scared by the person by the elevator, which we see had the killer's glove on it. And she's like, "Oh, it's you." Okay. And she says, "Like you know, like um, you know, they go in the elevator, they're acting all weird and stuff." And eventually, he pitches something. She's like, "Why did you do that?" And then he and then apparently he was doing the he was hiding. Like a full chainsaw behind his back. <laughs> I love this part too. Like, yeah, the entire this was a, yeah. not even like a small chainsaw. It was huge. It was a gigantic yes. chainsaw, and the whole thing was being hidden behind his back, and yes. nobody could see that. Mm. And Least then, of all the victim. Yes, and then he starts chainsawing this aerobics girl, and eventually Kincaid and some, I guess, like some school security cops hear the screaming because you know mm. Kincaid is now the eyes and ears of the the cops because he is like low key helping everybody out. Yeah. So they all get in there, they all break into the uh the door was locked, so he had to unlock the door and everything. They get it all there. They open up the elevator and they see this girl all chopped up to pieces. And of course they they go call on the phone, they go call the Bracken, just dial zero, you can dial out. And um and the the cops all show up in there. So apparently the girl who just got chopped is still alive. 
Okay? Somehow. Somehow. Because they act like they scared him off, the killer was. So, Bracken is all like, oh, fuck. Go get me a smoke. And then the fucking, the, the, the sergeant guy's like, why well, don't smoke, man? So, too bad. I thought it was a weird line. Um, so, now they're, they're investigating uh, the body and everything. And apparently, uh, Arthur comes down. He's, and then Bracken was like, where did you come from, Arthur? He's like, oh, I came from upstairs in the, uh, in the library. He's like, well, I'm going to talk to you later. All right. And then cop goes and he goes, he pulls like Kincaid, Kincaid aside. He's all like, hey, man, I fucking, uh, I fucking going to need your help over here. Okay. You got to be my eyes and ears. You're a good kid. And then he brings up the other detectives. He's like, guess what, detective? We're going to have to use the full budget. Bring everybody over here. I know you're going <laughs> to like that. We're going to have to use, yes. have to use all of our money. So during all this process too, apparently Willard, they didn't have enough evidence on Willard, so they just released him. And for being... So this is a little confusing. So, you know, mm-hmm. when Willard was about to get arrested, maybe he was beating up a bunch of cops and shit. So they didn't have enough evidence to, you know, to lock him up. So they let him free, and then he just comes and joins the party. He just back on the staff. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you we thought you were the killer. You're not now, but we 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 arrested you and you were found you're just back on the staff. Okay. Well, that does make sense, right? It's, yes. he's not the killer, so they're going to they they let him go and he can come back to to work. That does make sense somewhat. So. So he's back. Okay. <laughs> so, now we have Kincaid. He is done having sex with this random girl. Mhm. She the girl apparently was making a lot of noise. All right, and then Kincaid was telling her to be quiet and stuff. So Kincaid just jumps up naked and starts looking out the window. And he sees that Mary is walking outside alone. And remember, he was supposed to be the lookout for Mary. This kid, who was probably like 18 or 19, was supposed to look out for this tennis-playing cop, undercover cop, but he was supposed to protect her. Okay. Yeah, but he, but he fucked up because he fucked this other girl. Yes. So this girl's like, okay, well, and then, you know, like, Kincaid was like, hey, man, we got, like, a maniac, and I can't have people, you can't have you screaming around this place, you know, we're gonna think, like, you're, you're dying and stuff, and she's like, well, I could just be gagged. I said, oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> so she's like, yeah, so she's like, you can, you can put, like, a gag in my mouth, and I can't scream then, just yeah. come back to bed, or yeah, something just, like yeah, that. Yeah, just come and back, like, Kendall, I need that sweet Kendall magic. Yeah. He's like, fuck, I'm already done with you, girl, I'm trying to get this merry girl, all right? I'm trying to get the merry-go-round, brother. <laughs> so, nice, Ken- like <laughs> so, so Mary's outside just walking around the fucking place at nighttime. Obviously, we see this killer walking around. And so, like, th- I don't really understand this part. So, Mary's walking around. She gets attacked by some kung fu guy. Okay, hold hold the phone for a second. So I was confused by this too. This <laughs> oh, so okay. So <laughs> yes, if you haven't seen this movie, I mean, talking to the audience, if you haven't seen this movie, you're really not going to believe what this next scene. Yes, you, like, just, you just aren't going to believe this. Like, but this actually happens. So she's walking around with her flashlight, investigating, I guess, and then she gets attacked by this Bruce Lee type guy who's wearing like a blue adidas jumpsuit and then he starts she starts fighting him like kung fu style yeah kung fu fighting he's yeah he's like kung kung fu fighting him and then 
uh, is this the part where she hears the motorcycle and thinks it's the chainsaw, or has that happened be- before? I think it happens like I think that's what scared her initially was the uh, yeah, bike and that then, sounds like then, a chainsaw. Yeah, and then the kung fu guy jumps out and is fighting her for some reason. Um, and then what happens? So King K like rides up in his bike after they're done like fighting. And apparently, like right. Mary kicked this guy's ass because he fell on the floor. <laughs> right. And like King K is like, oh. Hey, uh, what are you doing over here with my uh, kung fu teacher? Wait a minute. <laughs> he says, this is my kung fu professor. Yeah, kung fu professor. So, yes. so, <laughs> so first of all, kung fu professor needs to be a, a, mo- a martial arts movie series. Yes. Um, but in the context of this movie, this college, this university in Boston has a kung fu professor. A guy that... A professor who is a doctor that teaches Kung Fu. Yes. Like, I'm just amazed at well, this. Like, well, I, th- okay. So, so he's like, what are you doing here? It's like, Oh, well, I was just out there jogging. And next thing I know, I was on the ground. Maybe I had some bad chop suey. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> and then he fucking leaves. I'm just like, well, why the fuck did you attack Mary then? Why is this even in the movie? Why is this even in the movie? <laughs> I mean, this is it supposed nothing- to be funny? I have no idea. They're like, okay, like, well, we have this, uh, we have this Asian actor. So, what are we gonna do with them? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Just do a couple fight scenes. Huh? There you go. <laughs> it just didn't make sense I'm at a, all. I was astounded by this. I was absolutely astounded by this. Scene. So, I was like, what the fuck? Yes, th- this is like the most confusing part of the movie was this scene because <laughs> it had like nothing to do with nothing. So now Mary's asking like, why? Kincaid's out, out here and stuff. He's like, well, you know, I, I saw you walking around and stuff, and that cop Bracken told me to keep an eye on you. And she's like, oh, okay, well. He's like, I thought your bike sounded like a chainsaw. He's like, oh, no. He's like, oh, okay, well. Um, he's like, hey, um, you know, let's get out of here and stuff. Um, she's like, okay, well, um, let me grab my gun, and I'll get on your bike, and you can take me off, because you did help me and rescue me. I was like, what the mm-hmm. fuck did he do? He just showed up on his fucking mm-hmm. bike and did nothing. Right. So she's the one that beat up the kung fu. Professor. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what? I was like, whatever. Obviously, we're. This is like the first one scene that we see that Kincaid's trying to bang out this Mary girl, basically. Yeah. So this is when we have that Boston reporter. She shows up. She starts walking around because she was stalking everybody. And of course, we see the killer by the. We see the killer by the trees. The reporter girl is walking all around the school. She eventually goes inside the school. She goes into a room, sees a chainsaw. She's like, oh, okay, there's a chainsaw in there. Okay, it's bloody and uh, nothing in here. Okay, walks off. Killer was in the room. Uh, eventually, she goes into another room. Lights turn on. She freaks out. The door locks behind her, and bam, the killer comes in and starts stabbing her with a bunch of, with a knife. And this is when we get the kill by knife on waterbed scene to pay off the storyline well, from earlier. This was terrible, too. So did you see, like... When the uh, scene of him stabbing her, like the one where he stabs her through the back of the head and it goes out her mouth. Yes. It, like, like that looked it, really good. That effect looked really good. But like when he's stabbing her though, you yeah. can clearly see he's turning it to the side. Yeah. And it bends. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's awful. Like it's just a horrible camera angle and maybe, you know, the editing is bad, but that's the director's fault. Cause he should have seen that and had it re-edited. Yeah. That I mean the the actual effect looked cool with like the blood on the waterbed and stuff, but that part was yeah. a little bad. But they did they eventually mm-hmm. did show the uh, knife going through her head. So there goes the Boston yeah. reporter that did not absolutely jack shit. Yeah, 
And so, then the part where he's pulling her out of the water, that looked really good too. Yeah. Like where he's pulling her backwards out of the water, that looked really good. But yeah, anyway, let's go. So Mary thanks Kincaid and gives him a kiss on the cheek. Oh, okay. She And then Kincaid, our boy, because, you know, he's a playboy. He was all like, aren't you making coffee in there? And she's like, another time. He's like, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. And then the nerd guy scares Kincaid and says something that I didn't understand. Mm. I don't really know what the point of his character was either. So the yeah, killer yeah. is now putting some bodies in the, the, the freezer down in the cellar. So we have, then we see some dead body parts hanging, and then he's putting some more of that puzzle together, brother. So we have some girls playing tennis. Um, and then, well, we have one girl playing tennis alone, basically. And out of nowhere, school music starts to play. And the girl's like, oh, I can't yeah. play tennis. I hear this fucking school music's playing. So she goes in here and takes a shower. Killer's nearby. Sorry. And this music's playing forever. Like, this goes on and on and Ever. on and on and on. Yeah. Kincaid and Mary go to play tennis. So they're uh, fucking, they're shocking up. Like, yep. fucking, she don't care. Uh, so this girl is getting dressed. And, of course, there's a chainsaw nearby. She sees the chainsaw. Mm-hmm. She starts running away. And eventually she gets, like, she's running to rooms and stuff, and she gets caught in the bathroom. And I also, actually thought this part was pretty cool. So when the when the killer comes in with the chainsaw and stuff, and he's like, about to break through the gr- door, the girl starts peeing her pants. So I thought that was a yeah, really good... Yeah, uh, I thought that was a yeah. good, nice effect, because, okay, he's showing that she's, like, fucking scared the shit out of her. Like, yeah. you know, that's something that we don't... That's something we actually don't see a lot. Well, scaring the piss out of her, we'll say. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's something you don't see. You don't see that ex- that something that extreme very often. And I don't know, like, there's something, like, sadistic in my personality that I like that kind of thing. Like, I, I think that there needs to be more of that of shit like that in a horror movie. Like, it should disturb you. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of like in Last House on the Left, where they make that girl piss her pants. Yeah. Like, that shit's fucking disturbing. Exactly. Um, and, like, yeah, like, there should be more of that. People are too weak to do that now. They're too pussies. They're too much of a pussy to make a movie like that. But they, there needs to be somebody that makes a movie that that's, that's that extreme. Yeah. But anyway, here we go. So this is where we get the scene where the director liked it the best, where the girl gets chopped in the stomach. So there yeah. goes the random tennis girl through playing by herself dead. Mm-hmm. So Kincaid and um, <clears throat> so Kincaid and Mary run into Willard, and they're asking like, "Hey, why is this school music playing, Willard?" <laughs> and it's like, "Don't you handle that?" He's like, "No, I just do the grounds. The electric guy is somebody else." And they're like, okay, well, we need to find out where to find it out. How can we do that? We got to call the dean and stuff to, to get this called off. Yeah, how can we turn the music off? Yeah, how, she's like, oh, well, there's a phone. There's a phone. This is what Ken K says. There's a phone, but it's in the janitor's room. <laughs> and uh-huh. the was like, we can't go in there. It's off limits. And then fucking uh, Mary's like, well, just blame it on me. So let's go in there. And Willard's like, fine, let's go. Complicated for no reason. So, <laughs> basically right like willard like we can't we're investigating a murder but we can't go into janitor's room because it's off limits yeah exactly so mary thinks she's hearing screams but the music is still playing yeah um 
Willard, Willard, the whole time, he's just creepy. Like, he's just trying to be creepy during the whole time. Maybe this is his personalities. So they go in there. They see some keys. Willard's like, those are not my keys. And she's like, well, don't touch them because, you know, <laughs> evidence and shit. Right. So he turns off the music. And Mary asks, like, okay, where's Kendall? Where did he go and stuff? And then they eventually, they, they go back to this little meeting area. And mm. uh, he, uh, Mary eventually finds Kendall. And Kendall's like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. And then we get acting. <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> all right, I'm ready for this one. All right. So we get Mary acting. Okay. Uh, let me mm. take a little swig of this tea. She was all like, fuck, why we were, why we were gone messing with the music, that bastard killed another one, that bastard, 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 huh? Yeah, why did she say it three times? I don't know. Yeah. But boy, she was was pissed. I guess so. Yeah, it's like holy shit. Like, why? Why is it? Why is? Why does she not just say it one time? Bastard. Like, I guess it's supposed to be like. <laughs> oh yeah. god! I don't know. I got. I guess she's just supposed to be like, just so out outraged. Outraged. Yes. Mm. So Lieutenant Bracken calls mm. the sergeant. He's all like, "Fuck! I'm tired. You're tired." We're fucking gone. The, the, he's like, I need, I need some leads here, man. I need some freaking leads. There's another dead girl who died in the bathroom. I need some leads here. And and then the fucking sergeant was like, oh, I've gone 23 hours straight. I could barely even keep my eyes open. Stuff. He's like, all right, well, fucking, uh, I'm gonna send over that guy Kincaid to help you. He's like, Kincaid, why are we gonna send a suspect over here? It's like, nah, Kincaid's not a suspect. He's a good kid. He's a he's a nice kid. He's gonna go help you out and shit. And I don't got a lot of budget over here. <laughs> so I'm gonna need you to, 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 to work on this yeah. more, and you fucking give me a lead. That's all I need is a damn lead. So why do so why do they pick the high school kid to to investigate the murder? Well, I'm guessing Other than budget. Let's see. So Kincaid, maybe they think since they okay, I think they still think it's like an inside job of one of the kids. So maybe okay. they're they don't think it's Kincaid, but they might think it's another kid. So he is there to take out the kids lead like it, it's, it's like a student's doing this he's there to investigate the students even though he doesn't investigate any students at all ever under his whole right. film right so so this is when we get the killer it now is putting his dead mom's shoes onto a dead body hanging mm. so that was pretty creepy so now mary is now talking she meets up with arthur arthur brown she says she's nervous and she would like his company walking. And Arthur's like, well, it's fucking blonde daylight. Like, I don't think you'll be okay. <laughs> so they talk and stuff yeah. about the dean. They talk about how the, teen, the dean is like been a little rough and stuff. And apparently there was like a backstory with Arthur and the dean not getting along because they have a little bit bitter experience. And then the author's like, listen, um, I don't think it's professional for you talking about my personal life with colleagues and stuff. And then he uh, he he goes on. He walks walks away. So Kincaid scares Mary for a second, and then Kincaid's like, "Hey, Mary, uh, apparently I'm gonna be going helping out um, the the sergeant. I'm gonna be going helping him out with his investigation stuff." 
I'm here helping out Sergeant Holden. She's like, oh, okay, well, you know, good luck and everything. And by the way, do you know where the dean's going to be? I need to talk to him. He's like, yeah, he's usually like out of town a little bit, but he'll be at his house around 7 o'clock tonight, so you could probably find him then. She's like, okay, cool. Well, I'll see him then, and I'll see you later. Okay. Mm. Oh, okay. There we go. So Kincaid is now helping out the sergeant. And the sergeant's like, oh, you want to play a cop over here, do you? He's like, do you smoke? He's like, no, I don't. He's like, okay, good, because I don't like the smoke mixing in all my records. Okay. So now we have Mary. She has gone to the dean office. All right. And she uh, rings the doorbell. And the dean's like, oh, this is a surprise and stuff for you showing up everything. Let's go talk inside. And she's like, okay, I just got some questions I want to ask you. So they start talking inside and everything. The, she talks about the dean. Like the, the dean's talking about, like, yeah, I stay in here and alone. And we're noticing now that the dean's house looks awfully familiar with the house that Ooh. had all those boxes in there, too. So we're like, oh, strange. Okay. Strange. This is weird. And then he goes on, like, okay, let me make you some coffee. How do you like your coffee? She says, like, I like it without this. So like, oh, well, you have that tennis figure. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. And, of course, he starts spiking the coffee. And he's apologizing. I'm sorry, this is instant coffee. He's like, oh, no problem. Yeah. I love the cream. Gross. <laughs> and then she's like, what do you want to talk about? She's like, oh, I kind of want to talk about Professor Brown. Like, there's, there's, there's seem to have, like, I just want to make sure there's no problems with the with him and stuff. He's like, okay, well, I'll do stuff I can do to help. Um, so, basically, he's saying that, um, <laughs> so, him and Professor Brown had some drama back in the day because he found out that the professor was gay. And Dean was cool with him being gay as long as he didn't touch any of the students or anything. So that's, that's what they were talking about a little bit. And of course, um, the, de- the Dean was also saying, oh, you know, let me get you some more coffee. And he keeps spiking the coffee every time he uh, gives it to her. So now we're back with um, uh, Kincaid and um, the sergeant. And they are, are trying to find leads and stuff. And Kincaid found something. He's all like, hey, uh, I think I might have found something here. Um, it's like a name and stuff. It's like just named John over here. And like, okay, I'll investigate it. But, you know, don't hold your breath and stuff. Sometimes these people could take forever. So... Sergeant Holden, he calls and everything, and they want to investigate this name and gives them all this information quick, even though I said it's going to take forever. And then, um, and then when he, when he drops the paper, Holden was like, "All right, I figured it out. That Dean guy changed his name. Apparently, he hacked up his mom like forty years ago." He's like, "So we got to go get him." And Kincaid's like, "Oh crap! I think Mary went to go visit him." And oh. Holden's like, oh, oh no. shit. Really? Let's go. Well, you stay here and already. Uh, wait a minute. No, that's right. You come with me. Oh, sorry. I'm kind of tired. You come with me and we'll radio from the car. Okay. Let's just, let's just drag the movie more. Right. <laughs> so, um, this is when he is, uh, uh, the king, this is when the dean's talking to Mary about, you know, the author and stuff and how he was gay and everything. And then how he also gave a story where the where Arthur tried to kill the dean before. <laughs> yes. Okay. And but right. the dean was cool with it. 
He's like, ah, stuff happens. And then Mary feels like she's like feeling a little funny. And Dean's like, well, that's just probably the drugs I gave you in your coffee. He says, you can't move, but you can hear everything. Can you, Mary? So a cop delivers a note to the lieutenant, uh, to, to the lieutenant Bracken. And he's like, oh, fuck, we got to get there. It's a lot of notes in this movie. Yes. So, yeah, no, notes are just passing around everywhere. <laughs> so Dean's, so now we know, okay, the Dean is the killer. So it's kind of a swerve. Because, you know, the whole movie was like making to believe that the author Brown was going to be the killer. But no, the author Brown was just a keep to himself person who was a homosexual in the closet and stuff. That's just right. his character was. Right. So the Dean is now putting some plastic and he like touches like Mary's leg or feet and stuff. Maybe he has a feet fetish, I guess, with a body fetish. So Kincaid and the sergeant and the lieutenant show up to the to the dean's house, and this is when Dean she's about to grab a knife. He's about to be knifing up Mary, where she can't move but she can see what's all happening. Mm-hmm. So this part's a little weird. So Bracken says, "All right, all right, we're gonna go in here." Kincaid, you stay behind. Kincaid's like, "Oh, I've been with you guys like the whole time. Why can't I join?" Oh, you're right. You know, you're right. You know, what I mean, we. If anything goes wrong, though, just like fucking uh, just duck and stuff. But, you know, you know, you've been with us the whole time and, you know, you could get killed in there and we can't be normal people in there, but you can come in. Okay. So they get in there. They break in. I guess uh, the Dean hide and they go see Mary and they're like, okay, well, fuck Mary. She can't move and stuff. What did what did they do to him do to her and everything? And the cops like, okay, I'm gonna go downstairs and go get an ambulance for her and stuff. Kincaid, see if you can help her get up and walk. And of course, Kincaid's like, you know, Mary's trying to like indicate, like, hey, the dean's behind the curtain. He's behind the curtain, guys. Come on now. So, <laughs> so Kincaid gets her up and they're walking, and then the dean's about to attack um, Kincaid by behind, and he just fucking drops Mary on the floor and just fucking starts fighting with the dean. <laughs> I just love it when oh, he just yeah. drops her on the floor. Fuck her. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta save your own life, right? Yes. You gotta you gotta you gotta have your hands free to say to fight the yes. that guy. So they're fighting everything. The dean finally gets the upper hands, about to stab him, and then the l- lieutenant Bracken just shows up and shoots him in the head perfectly, and there goes our whole plot right there. So this uh, yes. is when the That's movie everything. just gets a little. So obviously we're towards the end, but it gets a little. I don't really get this part coming up. So we killed the dean and everything. Okay, we found out he's the killer. Okay, so, you know, Kincaid the whole time is trying to, like, fucking cozy up to Mary. Like, he wants mm. to fuck this older. Like, that, you cannot tell me that he was waiting to fuck her. Okay, I know he was. No, he, yeah, it seems like he was, yeah. So, he's getting her okay and stuff. And then eventually, um, the, the cop Holden's like, hey, you know, check this out. Did you see this? And st- or maybe Kincaid found it. He's like, hey, there's a puzzle. There's a naked girl on here and stuff. He's like... Holden's like, yeah, you see a bunch of crazy shit when you go to places like us. And then he leans against, like, the bookcase. And out comes a body that was all <laughs> sewn together. And it falls right on Kincaid. And he starts freaking out. <laughs> so we're seeing that the Dean Timothy's fetish, fetish was to kill a bunch of girls and make a perfect girl. Kind of like that Frankenweenie movie or whatever. What's it, what's it called? Right, yeah. Um, the the hooker one, the uh, Franken hooker. Franken hook, Franken hooker is what you're thinking of. Yeah. Yes. So okay, so we got a body falling <laughs> up. That's not the end, though. Oh no, no, that's not the end. That's not the end. 
So we're back. Kincaid is up. He's like, yeah, fucking, my body scared me and shit. But, and then, of course, you know, giving him all props, like, oh, yeah, you could be and make a good cop and everything. You still want to be a cop and stuff. And he's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And then he grabs his jacket and he walks over to the body. And then the dead zombie body of pieces grabs Kincaid's nuts and rips them off. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say. Why? Why did this happen? How did this happen? Well, it's because... Um, be, be, I don't know. Because sequel? That never made, got made? Or? I, but but even then, the 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 body the 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 pieces the, the girl that was put together from pieces wasn't was wasn't the killer like none of this makes any sense like why why did this happen like the only thing i can think of it's like you know how like the ending of friday the 13th doesn't make any sense we won't ruin it for people if they haven't seen it but you know it has that surprise ending at the end yeah that makes no sense at all the only thing i can think of is that it's it's they put an ending like that in it because there was one like that in Friday the Thirteenth, so that doesn't make any sense. So our movie doesn't have to make sense either because it's a copy of an American slasher movie. Yes, I don't I don't know. It's just well it's the just thing so is funny. the thing is you know in horror movies we can't have a like an ending. We have to we have to have something that is going to show that this movie is going to maybe continue. You know what I mean? So so maybe in pieces too, if it ever got made, <laughs> it would be a the 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 spirit. Of Timothy's dead mom is now into this zombie Frankenhooker corpse, uh, corpse. Right. and her main mission is to to kill filth, which is taking out guys' genitals. Maybe okay. that's where they were going. Yeah, I mean it's as good a plot as we got in this movie. Boom! There you go, brother. Just made a whole sequel right there. The pieces, brother. Yep. yep. So, but yeah, everybody, that was pieces here on the Retro Blood, continuing our. Sleazy Slasher Month. And boy, boy, what a movie it was. <laughs> this fucking pieces, brother. Wow. Um, so join us next week because we boy, we're we're pushing it this month. <laughs> because up next we have a a rare a, a, I can't even explain this film that's gonna be coming up next week. It's called Sledgehammer. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a couple of clips from this movie, and boy, it is something. It is actually one of the first like popular homemade type of horror movies. So it's gonna be very fun for me watching it because obviously I've done a couple homemade horror movies myself. Yeah, um, shot it, on videotape. Shot, yes, yeah, so shot on videotape and stuff. So it should be very fun to review this one. Obviously, you can find it on on uh, um, um, Shutter. Shutter. So continue with the slasher theme. We'll be doing Sledgehammer, brother. So mm. that should be very fun. Uh, but Allison, do you have anything to uh, wrap us up with that you want to talk about pieces with? Uh, no, I don't have any pieces to uh, impart to the to the to the did you, uh, audience. This did you week. finish your puzzle? Of the naked girl. <laughs> I, I, I did. I finally finished my naked girl puzzle. Now I'm drunk, but well, I wish I was drunk. This movie was rough. Uh, this whole this whole month has been rough, and I really don't think Sledgehammer is going to make it any better. But we'll see. Hey, you never know, we'll brother. See what happens next week? So I mean, with pieces, like I said, like I I actually like this movie a little bit better than Edge of the Axe so far. Yeah, it was better. Yeah, it was. Better. I thought the effects looked pretty good. The storyline wasn't too bad. Like it it was at least it was something I can kind of follow. You know what I mean? There was mm-hmm. some complicated shit in there with like back and forth notes and shit. Um, I did like the Bracken character. 
I just thought he was like a funny police officer. And I did like the uh, swerve of it being the Dean. So, yeah, you know, yeah. we're, we're continuing the, the swerves on here too, here on the Retro Blood. But everybody, this has been Pieces. This is the Sleazy Slasher Month here on the Retro Blood. Allison, what are we going to be ending this this uh, this uh, Sleazy Pieces uh, podcast with? What are we going to be ending saying everybody home uh, Let's send everybody home with uh, Alcatraz, a track from Alcatraz. Let's uh, let's might, we might as well play uh, "Too Young to Die, Too Drunk to Live." Boom, brother! Just like our boy Kincaid and all his and all his women, they're too young mm-hmm. to die, and he's too drunk to live, brother. He's ready to go out there. Now I guess he can't fuck anymore because he got his dick ripped off. I guess so. That's so gone. Yeah. So, all right, everybody, keep your dicks on. We will see you next week here on the Retro Blood. Later, everybody. Have a good one. See you guys. Her head.